0: Welcome to the Fearless Leader Podcast, where we have authentic conversations about culture, community, health, and education. Now here's your host, Jason Belton. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting session of Fearless Leader Podcast. My name is Jason Belton. This evening, I have our math guru on. I have something special for the educators in the house, Mr. Human Bezapor, and he will be explaining all of the intricacies and details of what he's done throughout his travels to sort of bring up math scores and with students that he's touched all over from from school and high school to summer programs all of that i've been i've been around to other school buildings showed them our test scores and uh, folks have always wondered who is this guy so tonight they get to see a little bit and understand a little bit about what makes this guy tick and who this guy human bezapor Is good evening, Mr. Bezapor.
1: Good evening, man. What an intro! (laughs) Like I need you, I I gotta hire you as my hype man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that's my (laughs) guy. All right, Bez. Well, listen, I do want folks to understand from which from which you came. So, can you tell us a little bit about uh, a little bit about your background, Bez? Like what? um, I don't even care if you want to go talk to us a little bit about uh, what you did in college. Like what what prompted you to get into math to the degree in which you are? Just give us a little timeline.
1: Sure thing. So I was born and raised in Seattle, Washington, and I went to the University of Washington, so way on the other side of America. All right, all and, right. yeah, I really did not know what I wanted to do or what I wanted to study, but I knew I liked math. But I was told by a lot of people, and this is bad advice, so children out there, don't take this advice. But I was told, don't study math. It's too theoretical, and you won't get anything out of it. Uh, so I was like, what's the next best thing? I guess engineering. So I studied mechanical engineering. Okay. And You know, it was nice. I I liked the math behind it, but I just didn't have that passion. I didn't have the fire. And don't get me wrong, engineering's a great field and there's a lot of good you can do with it. But I was looking to do something with more of a direct impact on humanity. Okay. So I was really not sure what I wanted to do. And then one day I saw a sign for an organization called Teach for America. And what they said was sounded pretty interesting. It resonated with me and I was like, Okay, let's give this a shot. So I applied, went through the application and it's a pretty competitive application, but a few months later, I was accepted to come out to the greater Newark area and teach high school math. Okay. Uh, this is brand new for me. I had never left. Uh, well, I've been as far east as Kansas, but i would never been anywhere on the East Coast.
0: Okay. And then, before
1: I was uh, packing my bags, I think, a week after graduation and Not coming up to Jersey. Not in Kansas, Not in Kansas, Kansas anymore. anymore. Oh, that's right. Nope. <laughs>
0: that's, right. That's, that's right. That's right. Ben, so that's how we got you through Teach for America? Yeah. Okay. All right, all right. So you're
1: gonna have to send them an angry email or something.
0: <laughs> no, no, a not complaint. at all. <laughs> not at all. Blessed to have you, blessed to have you. Yeah. Bez, give us a walk down of, um, so I'm not sure who actually introduced or or had came up with the idea to put you in a space of of that pre-calc calc sort of space that you wound up owning, being placed in and owning. Walk, walk us through that process, Bez.
1: Yeah, uh, sure thing. So I actually uh, owe this to uh, Miss Faith Alcantara, who you know quite well. She was the principal when I was first hired. And I still remember this first conversation we had. She was talking about the classes that I was going to have. And it was ASA, which is a appeals portfolio class, geometry, and I think algebra. And then in passing, she had mentioned calculus, but she was like, I don't know who I'm going to give that to. And I pleaded with her, oh, man, please give me calculus. I love calculus. Like, all math is great, but calculus is next level. And um, what I really owe it to her. She decided to give it to me, which was a very bold move. Uh, usually you don't give that to a first year teacher fresh out of college, especially one who's like just new to New Jersey or whatever, but yeah, you know, she gave it to me. And the first year we had a general level calculus class. And then after that we decided, you know, our students can handle this. There's no reason why not. Let's make it AP. But we realized that we didn't have students on the right trajectory on the right path and namely that our seniors were taking pre-calculus. So there's obviously no time for them to take calculus. So that's really what gave us the idea behind the summer pre-calculus, such that our top-notch students who were taking, well at that time it was algebra two, but they were taking that the junior year, they could take pre-calculus in the summer and then the senior years they could take calculus. So thanks to that decision, we were able to finally have a steady cohort of students that could take calculus. And that was really uh, the genesis of our AP program, so to speak.
0: Best. let me ask you, though, did you have, um, in teaching, like, the pre coming up with the pre-calc sort of pipeline that you, that you put together, was there ever a criteria? Because, like, right now, you have no criteria. You just want the kid. So was there ever a criteria set? Like, did you, it's because it's math, and so, you know, folks kind of get, like, hesitant about having just any student in their math class, yeah. like, uh, you know, so initially, along the lines, was there just, like, just give me the kid. Just give me what, just give me the kid and I'm going to teach them pre-calc and calc. What was your, what was the, what was the, like the, the the starting point for that?
1: Yeah. So the first few years, if anything, I think we had issues of not reaching enough students and that it was brand new. I think my first year we had about 19 or 20, which isn't bad, but we weren't hitting nearly enough students as we could have. And uh, really the main issue was just letting the students know about this class. And after a few years of having successful students and successful results, you know, students talk, they talk, like, you should take this class. You should take the class. And right, right. we're at the point now where there's no recruitment needing to be done. It's right. the students know what it is. They want to take it. And the nice thing about the summer program is, I mean, I have a pretest, so to speak, quote unquote, right, and, right. but that's nothing restrictive. If a student doesn't do well on it and it's basic algebra one, then they just meet with me and, we catch them up to where they need to be. But the really nice thing about the summer program is any student that wants to come on, come on in, it gives them a little bit of a trial period. It's pretty evident the first week, like for students, if like, this is something I want to take, or maybe mm-hmm. this isn't right for me. And it's really like a no stakes, good first week introduction to everyone. So I don't need to make any requirements. The students basically self-select. And then that first week we figure out like who it's a good match for and who it's. Not a good match you, for.
0: You got to go a little bit into detail with that summer program. As I've been in the hallways, I used to laugh when kids would be jumping out of parents' cars. And I used to be like, are they going to a math program? <laughs> and what is Ben selling? Or is he making breakfast? And, and even the joke about the breakfast. I'll never forget. I saw a kid jumping out of his mom's car, running down the street. He had like an egg sandwich, like just squeezing it. Just he had to get to, I got to get the math. I got to. What is going on in the class, a math class? That has these students. So I got to get the, I got to get that. I got to get the class on time. And if it was 40 or 50 that started the program, 40 and 50 ended. So walk me through that, best. Like, how was that? How were you keeping that attention and that energy for what was the summer program? Six to eight weeks, about six, seven weeks?
1: Actually, usually five weeks.
0: Okay, okay. But yeah, right.
1: but first, uh, let's get the record straight. If I was cooking breakfast, they'd be running the other <laughs> way. Just, just, <laughs> just for the record. But no, I mean, this sounds cheesy, but math's a very beautiful thing and it can be done very fun. And we see each other five hours a day for five weeks straight in the middle of the summer. And that takes a lot of commitment and dedication. Right, right. But I think the key is like, I have a natural passion for math and I do my best to exude that to the students. And then in a class surrounded by people, that are similar minded. And for the most part, they all enjoy the math. Like you just build that class environment where they want to learn, they want to have fun. And typically we can't just do work for five straight hours. So we break it up with like fun games and stuff that even though the students think it's fun, like there's still math behind it and it's hitting their brains in a variety of different ways. But really it's just that culture. And I mean, I do a tiny part, but really 99% of it is the students set it themselves and they self-control, self-police, self-regulate and they make it fun for themselves. Like my style is to make it very engaging. If I have students that are dry and not responding, we'd all be miserable. So really right, the right, students right. have themselves to thank for making it an enjoyable experience.
0: Bez, you know what, when you said your style, it sort of hit me for a second because I, I do like I don't see the small group centers. I don't see I don't see all of the stuff that you might read about that folks uh, educational jargon that comes in about this skill needs I mean this this it needs to look like this and small group and and uh and rotations and all of that like I don't I didn't see all of that uh when I come into your class so I want you to speak on that for a second but I also want to say what I do see when I walk in I never forget you were teaching a test I mean you had a test and I was floored because it was like you asked something about 1776, and it was like history questions in your math quiz, and so you blew me. I was like, I said maybe Ben picked up the wrong paper in the staff but I mean, but for whatever it was, the kids knew that they had to work through these problems in order to get the correct answer. So that was a different. That was like, uh, oh my goodness, that was cross curriculum at its best, but. Walk me through that, Ben. It's like w- w- your style of teach.
1: Yeah. So um, overall, uh, pedagogical uh, philosophy I have is that uh, it's a pretty common one, but that the students should guide the discovery themselves of the lesson. And as much as possible, I don't try and teach anything. There's maybe, at least in calculus, there's maybe two topics where I have to directly teach, but really every other day, it's me just guiding a conversation and guiding a discovery of the topics. And there's many different like philosophies of how that's best done. But I feel like especially in a class where there's such a strong class culture, that we have one, you can say a small group, but it's one large group, and we all do the discovery together. So naturally, like people talk with their partners and things like that. But we're all at like every place together. And in this class where we can all do the work, the expectation is that we're all doing the work together. And it's not that we're pushing anyone down, but Mm -hmm. we're bringing everyone up together. And those that are more advanced, like, yeah, sure. There's like challenge problems and extensions I can give them, but we all go together. There's never a place where I'm like, oh, this group of five, like they need some remediation. They need to be mm-hmm. cut. Like, no, mm-hmm. we have this expectation of building it up. And whether it's the students, whether it's the teaching side, whatever it's going on, um, I've been blessed that through the years for any given lesson, like I know that at the end of the lesson, every single student has that objective mastered and they've been able to pick it up. And I really think it is to that discovery and that they all leave with an actual mastery of the concept, not just the topic of, I know the procedure, I know the skills, but even without doing any math and just words, I can mm-hmm. explain what I am doing and why I'm doing it. And I think once you get that, then every student succeeds on their own.
0: I, I, I like the idea of this is what you guys do as a group, best. I like that concept cuz when you walk into your class, that's all you see. And I've had I've had conversations with students who were in algebra 2 or other geometry and was like, "Listen, like what not understanding that, you know, you had an AP course, but like what's going on in that class?" And I do like the idea that how you don't get so bogged down with it being math being or just being in this AP world and folks don't know you know I've come I pulled you out of class and we walked into other classes and I was like best this this kid is phenomenal and you were like let's give him a shot right like it was like hey like let's see what they know and you know I think you know folks might get sort of confused thinking that you know because you teach at a, at a certain level that you only see that kid that's at a certain level and not understand that you can walk into a class and say, um, you know what, this kid might not belong here. You know, this kid might might need to take a shot, you know, in something that's a little bit, that has a little bit more rigor to it, you know. And so I definitely always appreciated that. And that, those are things that people don't see, you know, they can't see that part, you know, and you don't tout that, you know what I'm saying? So it's like they won't know. But I definitely appreciate that whether high or low or whatever, you're gonna get in there and you're gonna find out what this kid knows. Right. So I, I, I definitely appreciate uh, that um, with what you've done. Bez, have you ever thought about like so when you first started, you went straight to have you ever taught like um like the lower level? And I don't wanna say low level, but have you taught like the students who were um maybe you want to say yeah, I want to say low levels, the, the tier one students. Like, have you ever?
1: Worked yeah. So with that? I think through the years I've taught every subgroup of students and every math class save statistics. But, but yeah, so I've covered it all. And like, I think you hit it on the head that there are well, every student's a gem, but there are gems in every class, and there are students with untapped potential in every class.
0: And you so obviously say we, that.
1: yeah. So we okay. see like calculus. Yeah, we know like those students like know their math, but like you can walk into any classroom, and I guarantee you, no matter the class. There are a few students in there that are unfortunately just bored out of their mind and not being challenged to the mm-hmm. extension that they can. And th- that's not an orange thing. That's a literally any classroom in the country, probably any classroom in the world that right. we need to be doing our best to be pushing all students in all classes and really pushing students up and not letting them being bogged down by.
0: Right, right. Bez, I don't have your data in front of me, but it will be, you'll see it. And once we do our edits in our clips, you'll definitely see the numbers and how you've grown. the years with the AP numbers, I love the fact that when we had, we talked um, a few times and you even explained to me, we were talking about data and we were talking about how your numbers have grown. And just like you even said just now, you had to bring me back, Bez, to a space that reminded me, hey, Mr. Belton, hey, Jay, these, these scores weren't always like this, right? So, So walk me through a little bit about what that looks like, Bez, when, you know, you really need somebody to sort of, like, um, take a chance on you, right? So because initially, I mean, you weren't, you didn't come out the park, you know, knocking it over the gate. So walk us through, like, what did that, what's that feeling, Bez, when you you know you can make this thing happen, but you just need some time to do it?
1: Yeah, uh, I really, again, owe it a lot to the administration. So first with faith alcantara and then with yourself and we've had dr morgan as well but administrators that trusted and supported and know that in a non-arrogant way but when you have something good let's give it time like the tree's not going to grow overnight it Mm -hmm. starts as a seed as a sapling and it goes from there and again i've been blessed where not that i've needed much but anytime i've needed anything like i know i could go to administration and they would give it to me and uh more realistically, uh, I've been blessed with administration that won't bother me when uh, things are... Okay. <laughs> that's uh, you know, yeah, that's a blessing. <laughs> you don't always have that, just but just like... let him do
0: what he does. <laughs> just let him do what he
1: does. Yeah. <laughs> Set it and forget it. But no, like, <laughs> honestly, like, things don't happen overnight. And like, much like anything else in any field on earth, like, you do something and the more you do it, the better off you get. And um, so I've definitely improved as a teacher. But again, I don't want to lose sight of... When we're talking, it's – these aren't my – I have yet to take any test. None of these are my scores. These are all the right, students. And right, right. when we're talking about this, we're talking about hundreds of students through the years who have shown that, wow, just given an opportunity, they can uh, blow it out of the bar park and get literally a five, which is a perfect score on the AP test, which is as tough a test as you can do in college, when sorry, you say in high school.
0: That, when you say given an opportunity, Bez, but it, it has to be just more than just given an opportunity, though, right? Because, I mean – is given the opportunity with what? Like finish that with. Finish, right.
1: like. Yeah. So given a, let's say a proper opportunity. So like not just here, you can go take this test, but hey, here's an actual decent education. Here's a proper way of learning it. You stay with me, you follow along and you're going to succeed. And yeah, right. through the years, we've had hundreds of students now who have shown that, yeah, given the opportunity, given a quality education, given quality surroundings and quality peers. Like if I do the work and I stick with it, yeah, I'm going to get some college credit in a few months.
0: You know, I I like that you, I love that you so humble like that, Bez, because now when I talk to students, they have no problem with bringing up the relationship, right? And so we could talk about math and we could talk about pipelines. We could talk about summer programs and we could talk about a bunch of things. Um, And we even, you even tapped into it a little bit when you spoke about that pipeline of students that's coming in and they already know I need to, you know, I want to get, my goal is to get into Mr. Bedford's class. I like the idea that I I appreciate the humbleness, but but speak to me about the relationships. Like you've had kids who've come through your class beds. I mean, we got kids sitting on Stanford. We got kids going to Berkeley. We got kids who, you know, they were able to make some real decisions and they were like, you know when we talk about when we talk to them it's like hey what really got you in and that we don't have that conversation without your name coming up so walk me through the power of relationship
1: i wouldn't be where i am and i don't think our students would be where they were um without this two-way relationship and that I'm very fortunate. You're very fortunate. We picked a profession where we can work with so many amazing young people on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're starting to see the struggle with it when we're virtual, like we're starting to use, yeah. lose that yeah. connection. And it's yeah. just, you know, it's so hard. You know I know. I what I you know,
0: <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> so What am I supposed to do? But yeah, the teaching is great. I obviously love the math, but it's really building those connections with Dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of students, every year and really getting to know them. Because as you well know, we have so many amazing students. And part of the culture and part of the connection and part of the buy in the students have is knowing that, hey, there's an actual relationship here. Mm -hmm. Like, I care about my teacher, and um, hopefully they realize that, hey, my teacher cares about me more than just in the math. It's like the math is great, but like, I really care about them. Like, what's going on in your life? What are your highs? What are your lows? How's your family life? How are your friends? What are your post-high school plans? Is it college? Great. How can I help in that regard? Is it something else? Great. How can I help in that regard? Is it IDK? I have no idea. Great. How can we help uh, give you some clarity? But really, that relationship is so key. Because otherwise, I really don't think I would have the buy-in. And without that buy-in, I really don't think the students would have nearly the level of success that they have. But it really ultimately comes down to that relationship and that mutual respect we have with our students. And uh, the one more thing I would add is that- uh, yeah, when I meet with my students the very first time, uh, there's very few like ground rules or anything. But the number one is make sure that I don't lose my trust in you. Mm. And that's me talking to them. So like mm. by default, I trust my students, and through the years I've had very few people take advantage of that. And what do I mean by trust my students? Yeah, I was going to ask. Most, you that, but... yeah, yeah. So just I'll be concrete. Mm-hmm. Most quizzes they grade on their own. Homeworks I post not just the answers, but the worked up straight up solutions. Like mm-hmm. how I got every single thing. They grade themselves, they make corrections, they turn that in. To be honest, I don't even look at it most of the time. Uh, they put a little check saying they checked it out and then I give them their points. Um, everything we do in that class is based on trust. And again, the students show by the end of the year that they've worked, that they haven't exploded right. that trust That's and right. that it's really a great way. Cause like ultimately I don't want them learning for a grade. I don't right. want them stressing out over a grade because ultimately like, who cares in life if you get a 90 or an 87 or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that's not the motivation. The motivation is this is a pretty cool subject. If you're in this class you probably like math or you right, like a challenge, right, right. let's learn it for the love of the subject and the grade will take care of itself. And I can say that I don't have an exact number, but I'm going to estimate conservatively 85 percent of my students on a given year end up with an a it's so like the grade honestly takes care of itself if you love the subject and you do the learning then the grade would take care of itself and that's all comes back to that trust and that respect
0: Bez, how were you able to pull off though like so COVID last year and then yeah. we we knew that the um college board would modify some of the um the guidelines for testing and so, you know, for me, as a building administrator, I was like, ah, you know, grating my teeth. And I was like, ah, you know, how does this work with, you know, we we were doing well, best. I mean, every year, I, I honestly have to say, you know, every year with under the, the leadership of you being in that AP course, these kids have grown. You know, we had more kids taking the exam Uh, We have more students passing with the fours or the fives, you know, like a lot of things started to come into place. Like it's a good rhythm with it. Um, And consistently, like this is not like we got lulls. It's like just this gradual process. What made you or how were you able to like first talk about the consistency of it? Like were you able to did you start to like get on it? Like when you felt it, you was like, I got this. That's number one. Then I want you to talk about, what. Well, well, I want you to answer that because I do have, I I, I was so impressed about when you were able to get to, um, where you, were you go to Florida? When you, you, you did your yeah, yeah. For, um, college board? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was supposed to meet you there. Uh, but, <laughs> you stood me up.
1: <laughs> the waiter was like, where's the guy?
0: <laughs> but I want you to speak to that. Um, Bez, about that. Um, being on the roll with that consistency, and then we're we'll, we're gonna jump right into that because I know that was a big thing for you for college sport to you know kind of hand pick you and and move you along. So, talk to me first about that. You catching? Yeah. Your just to be so clear, are
1: you talking about through the years or specifically through COVID? Through the th- years. No,
0: th- through the years.
1: Uh, yeah. So I think just um, being blessed to having taught this class. This is my eighth or ninth. Year, I-, I lose track. But like every year, you just again fine tune things, and honestly at the point now and college board is pretty consistent in the types of questions they release and like the rigor and the stuff from year after year where like pretty clear like come january i could tell you what like basically all of the students will get just because after i'm like i know this is a five level this is a four level this is a three level and for the most part like students can change up or down but for the most part we have a pretty good feel of where they are so like uh when the scores come out in july Maybe there's a few surprises here or there, but for the most part, it's like, yeah, of course you got a five. Oh, of course you got a five. Oh, yeah, of course you right. got a four. Like, right. well, like we, we just know what's going on. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. we, right. now that we know that level, we just build them up to there. Right. And it's no longer a, if we get the students to there, it's like, how much dragging do I need to do to get them to that make level?
0: Make it happen. Right. <laughs> yeah. The other thing, so, and, and, and you did, cause I, 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 I detoured a little bit. In COVID, you know, we test change, things happen and I'm like, oh my goodness, what's about to happen? how were you able to pull off your numbers via COVID? Like, we went out, what, March, early March, mid-March? How were you able to pull off those those numbers? Like, was it just built off of the solid relationships that you already had? And, the, cause, you know, and the, talk to me about that.
1: Yeah, uh, being real, and we'll be real here right now, it really helped having those previous connections. I'm noticing it's a bit more challenging this year when I didn't previously have the connection with right, the students. Right. But last year, I had, had them through the summer, uh, up until March. And a lot of them I'd even taught previously in Algebra 2 mm-hmm. or even for my BC students, I taught the year previously in Calculus AB. But really, yeah, at that point we had such a strong rapport that every day they had me, I know now every class is live on Zoom or Google right. Hangouts or Synchronous. Right. But like mm-hmm. Back then that wasn't the case, but we still met every day live for actually I think an hour, hour and a half for both of my classes. And mm-hmm. It was as seamless a transition as possible. It's like whatever we did in class, we just continued it to Zoom. And again, that's easy for me. I just sit here and teach. But like that showed the right. commitment of the students where, yeah, it would be very easy for them to be like, check out. I can do this later. I don't need to. Right. But they all logged in every day at the right time. They all did the work. They all stayed accountable. And we taught the same exact way. The only difference, and I think this did help our students, is that College Board was also very upfront about what the new test would look like. OK, so they were upfront that it would be two open ended questions and that uh, there's the world is out to resource so they could use any resources they want. So just a lot of deductive reasoning skills helped me figure out like the type of questions that were asked. And we just really, really worked with the students on preparing for that, even just the specifics of the logistics. So math was a little bit challenging. They would have to work it out, take a picture, upload it to the document, make sure they uploaded the right file type and send it in time. And in five minutes on test day, that can be very stressful. So even the little things, as much as it annoyed the students, but like Mm -hmm. every day for like the two weeks before the exam, we would practice doing that. We would do a mock. They would take a picture, upload it, do the same thing. It got very tedious, but it was really, really, really beneficial. And that day of the test, no one had any issues. And the math is one thing, but you don't want any student having to stress about like logistics or technology or anything on the day of such a difficult test. So just practicing with the students, as much as the actual test would be like we do that in a typical year. And even in COVID, we do the same thing. Here's what the test would be like. Let's practice it as much as possible. Such that test day is just like any other day. Right. And if anything else, test day is easier because they generally make the mocks much harder than the actual test.
0: Bez, so, and, and we're not done, but I want to ask you an aside. Yeah. So Bez, if you had to have a conversation with an up and coming teacher who just got put into a, a seat where the administrators were like, um, listen, I need you to teach this A-B class or hey, I need you to teach this higher-end course or what, what would be your advice to them? Like, cause you know, I, I've, I've done it a few times, tax folks to, and you know, sometimes it's like this trepidation. Like, oh, I'm not sure, you know, what would be your advice?
1: Yeah, first make sure you're fully in it. If you're not in it, let's be real, give it to someone else. The mm-hmm. students deserve better. Like make sure you're fully in it and then never reduce your expectations for your students. That doesn't mean that you're just like, oh, students get here. And if you're not here, figure it out on your own. No, you're going to work with them to get where you need to be. And it takes a lot of work, but you need to have a certain expectation and put in the work to help your students rise to that level. Otherwise, if we just stay flat or stay wherever the students are, that's not going to get them where they need to be. Because I truly do believe every student, specifically in the AP class, every student can rise up But that doesn't mean that they start at that level. They may start here, but they have the potential latent within them. It's your job as a teacher to motivate them and work with them to basically maximize and reach their potential. So just, you know, give it your all and don't let any student fail, like work with them to get to where they need to be. And Mm -hmm. since they are in that class, if you have that rapport with them, they will get to where you need to be. That and uh, one more oh, thing I would say is yeah yeah uh-huh. go ahead. enjoy it like teaching an AP class is as fun as it gets it's as rewarding as it gets the material I can really only speak to calculus and computer science but, like the material the curriculum it's so rich it's so enjoyable like
0: mm-hmm.
1: really like it's gonna be a lot of work but enjoy the experience you're not gonna have a more enjoyable class ever
0: right I don't I, I don't remember walking to your classroom and seeing anybody like heads down oh my goodness like it was always like you know, the energy. And then, you know, you came and, you know, started your thing. And I'm always remembering you either handing somebody off the marker or somebody doing something or somebody's turning to a neighbor, turn to a neighbor. So I remember, you know, all of that. Bez, talk to me about Florida, man. So how did, how did that go? Like, you know, I, I re- and you know, you, how humble you are. I think I might've, I might've found out you were going because I might've saw papers on your desk. I don't even think you told me.
1: <laughs> yeah. You had to front the bell. That's how you found out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so walk me through that best. Cause I know that was like, that had to be a highlight. Right. Because I mean, through the years the scores are going um, uh, increasing you got this crazy rapport, everybody, you know, around who sees it um, with these students. The students are um, connected to you. And then College Board says, we want you to come down and sort of show the world or show the, come down and show everybody in the in the College Board world what you've been doing. Walk me through that some, best.
1: Yeah. So, uh, what was this? 2019 at the AP Annual Conference, I was uh, invited to come speak and talk basically about, this so the journey of orange high school's ap calculus program through the years and to be honest yeah it was enjoyable but it was also a terrifying experience for me um (laughs) i'm not one i'm not one to like uh talk about myself or things like that or present like it's just uh, not my style but you know uh every time that i had some trepidation about it um my friends and loved ones were like yo you're not doing this for yourself uh you're doing this to like share your students stories and to motivate other teachers teachers to reach other students so basically get over it
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> get mm-hmm.
1: out there uh it's not about you uh right, so uh, right. get over yourself and go have it. so uh mm-hmm. i made a presentation i went out there and you know i did my thing i presented and it was very nice and that a lot of people came up to me afterwards and were just thanking me of like it's so great to hear that uh this can be done at uh, schools that are similar demographically to the right. place i teach right. And like we always hear about like certain levels of schools and like it's important to realize that any school and any zip code in this country can have AP calculus or any AP success and like we just got to put in the investment commitment and belief in the students and they can and will succeed and I've been uh, fortunate enough to be able to keep in touch with uh, quite a few of the teachers and work with them and see their growth through the years and doing I'm sure they're going to be doing similar things right at their respective schools in the years to come
0: right You know, Bez? I I always, I think it was important. Um, You talked about teachers being able to have that conversation or have that line of communication open for, with their administrators. Um, I always appreciated that line that existed where I could come to you. You know, I could have those conversations about uh, the importance of SAT, the importance of uh, the pre the pre-courses, you know, the pipelines, how to do how we get the kids to get here, you know, um, what's needed. Uh, so, appreciated so I always appreciate it. So I could see how that pendulum would swing both ways, right? Where, you know, that conversation still would have to happen between that administrator, you know, to the instructor to say, you know, listen, I see what it is you're doing and, and I know what you're capable of doing. Um, but how do we progressively take these students as a package to the next to the next level so even on that concept of next level bez um i have two last questions for you one being uh what's next for you bez
1: Whew, good question uh for disclosure i'm really not certain. i'm not saying that to be coy or secretive or anything i really don't know but i do have this i hope it's clear right now but this passion for realizing that every student can have mathematical success and deserves a quality math education. And I've been blessed to be able to see that come to fruition in orange. And I'm not quite sure what my next steps are, but I'm nearly certain it involves something of trying to make that come to fruition in many more places and many more similar zip codes across the country. So whether that's working with administrators, teachers, districts, organizations, I'm not quite sure yet, but really just trying to take uh, the things I've been able to find here at Orange and take that and put it into many classrooms across uh, many states across the country and really show to everyone that all students can and will succeed. And then just help provide teachers that opportunity to let all students succeed.
0: I love it. I love it best. So my, my final question then is best. If you could create that, that pipeline, because, you know, you, we've dealt, we deal with students um, and we aren't the only school that that have to deal with them in, in this sort of capacity, but we know, um, as far as math is concerned, and the LA. But as far as math is concerned, we definitely have students that come through deficient, you know, like years behind. Um, and I really just want your your, your take, your honest take on, um, if you if there was something that you saw or something that you thought that we might need to infuse um, in order to sort of um, clear out that pipeline to have these students um, just a little bit um, better prepared um, as they get into the high school ages. like, is there something that you see? I mean, it don't have to be the, the, the one thing or something. Of course, we're not going to be able to fix it overnight. But, you know, because I, I, I just like how you kind of streamlined this process at that, at that top level, is there something else that you see to be like, mm, if, if I had the opportunity?
1: Yeah. Uh, maybe the hardest question last. I think you're going <laughs> uh, to give me a softball here. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So, two things I can come up with. Uh, number one is culture. And I don't mean like student culture, I mean classroom culture. And outside of like maybe some of your honors classes at a lower level, let's be real no one likes their math class no one does even kids that like math they're like they're (laughs) bored in it it's like of course students aren't going to succeed in a class that they're just bored Bored out of their minds yeah it's like what's the point so like there's no like magic solution but working with teachers to make it actually enjoyable and lively and i don't mean like dumb it down and like belittle or patronize the students with like little games here and there but like Mm -hmm. You got to have a passion for what you do and like exude that to the students and do it in a way that reaches them. Like, if we're just sitting there talking to them for 30 minutes, we're saying, Here, do 40 problems in a book. uh, The students that are struggling have no idea what to do. And the students that know what they're doing find this very dull and monotonous and they don't have a challenge and no one's enjoying it. It's just a miserable experience. And I'm sure you know this. um, Going to most math classrooms, it's just teachers not having fun, students aren't having fun. Right. There's not much learning going on. So that's, number one and then along with that it goes to what i said earlier but like really thinking about how we're teaching the students and i know like discovery and concepts are like catch and like buzzwords of the day or the right, year or right. even the decade but like it really is true and that i really do believe that even if a student lacks like the mathematical proficiency at this point to like do right. the skills right. they can still understand the underlying concepts And that's going to help them so much in the math. So like, I know there's a school of thought and it's the more prevalent school of thought that teach them the skills and then the concepts. And if students can't get the skills, why even try and teach them the concepts? They're not going to get it at all. But I think it's the exact opposite. Even if I'm lacking some sort of math skills, like Mm -hmm. I can understand if it's taught correctly in an approachable way, I can understand the underlying concept of, oh, that's what I'm trying to do maybe I don't know how to do it, but that's at least the goal. I understand that. I see why I'm here. I see how that connects to what we were learning last week. And I see a little foreshadowing of how it's going to connect to what I'm learning next week. And that I really think helps the students learn. So much nowadays, math learning is here's a formula, memorize it, and then plop it in 15 problems. And yeah, maybe I got those 15 problems right. Maybe I got them wrong, but I certainly didn't learn anything. I certainly don't know how to apply that in any certain way. And certainly three weeks from now, after I haven't seen that in three weeks, I'm going to forget it because I only memorized it and I didn't actually understand it. And until I understand in my own words, like what I'm actually learning, why I'm learning it and how it actually relates to anything, I'm never going to have any sort of a mastery and I'm not going to have any retention. So I think the two main things I like would be culture and concepts.
0: One last question. One last one, guys.
1: Please be a softball. Go ahead.
0: Right. This one's going to be easy for you. I was afraid of uh, coming up in school. I I was one of those students who was afraid of math. And I realized that over the years, I wasn't so afraid of math as I was afraid to ask the teacher for support. How how do you get past that?
1: Yeah, um, it's a very good question. Ultimately, I think uh, I I hate... I don't hate, but like it also comes back to the students, and like they're taking that ownership, but creating that class class culture where there's no shame in asking questions. Like, uh, I, you sat in like that, like every few minutes I stop. What are the questions? What are the questions? What are the questions? Students don't need to raise their hand; they just shout it out. Hey, hey, what, what? Half the time it's like, what are you writing? I, I can't read that nonsense. But like whenever they have questions, like mm-hmm. please feel free to ask. I don't care. I mean, ultimately, at the end we want to get the answers right, but in the I mean, you're learning for a reason. You don't know the content. It's like, ask the question. Like, if you knew this already, you wouldn't be in my class. It's like really setting that expectation of just whatever you have, ask. I don't care if it's wrong. Um, I make mistakes. Students know I make mistakes like 13 times a day. It's no issues there. Um, Whenever we do homework and they grade their own, they make their corrections. I don't care right or wrong. As long as you do it all, you get all your points. So, like, ultimately, it's just having that, going back to that culture again, but just Be free, express yourselves, ask questions. Like, I get legitimately annoyed at my students when they don't ask questions. It's like, we encourage, yeah, like, you can ask them. The times I get the most annoyed is when it's just science. And I know they don't know it because you know as a teacher when you taught it poorly or we're not. And like, times when I teach it poorly, I'm like, what are the questions? And they're all like, "Uh, that's when I get annoyed (laughs) with them. Like, yo, I know I did a bad job teaching this. Ask the questions.
0: (laughs) You might be one of the few that could admit that, Bez, but I love it. I love it. Listen, Bez, I wanna thank you. I wanna first and foremost, I wanna thank you for all that you've done for the for just every student that sat in front of you over the years, right? I, I love the lessons that I've been taught by you because um, there were a few times you had to catch me when I was sort of standing on my soapbox and had to remind me like, listen, I, my scores didn't always look like this. So I appreciate that when you pull me back in sometimes, to when I get kind of crazy and overzealous, I love it. <laughs> uh, but I definitely, again, I think it, for me, it comes back to, um, regardless on, you know, who introduced you to AP Calc and. And how you were able to put the pipeline together and, and how you were able to keep it going. And, and through different administrators, at least, Bez, were able to sell the idea, right? Like, listen, I got this. Watch me. Watch me work, you know? Um, at the administrative level, you had to do that. And then you had to turn around and do that with the kids, right? Because every kid didn't know, you know, where you would take them. So you had to sort of be selling yourself like to the administration, like I got it, just watch me. And to the student body, I got, I got it, just watch me. So I definitely applaud all of the hard work that you put in over the years. And I, and I, and I, I was happy for you when, you, um, when College Board recognized you. I, I thought that was great because I saw the work that through the summers and everything. I mean, you dedicated a lot of time to the students. They dedicated a lot of time you know, to get the instruction from you. But you put in a lot of work, you know, a lot of time. Five hours, what you said, five hours um, a day during the summer.
1: Yeah, it's the oh. dream.
0: Oh my, <laughs> yeah, <you're laughs> best. But
1: who needs see. Disneyland? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I want to say, listen, best, thank you for being on the Fearless Leader podcast, man. Definitely appreciate you. Um, I know I'll be having you back on um, soon enough. Of you know, once you figure out that next thing that you want to do. I'm sure that'll be, you know, across the globe. I'll be like, listen, he was on Fearless Leader Podcast (laughs) first, so we had him. Well, listen, Bess, I'm going to end on that. Thank you. I appreciate you. And um, I'm out. Thank you for listening to the Fearless Leader Podcast, a podcast made to help you take control of your life and find your passion. If you enjoy tonight's podcast, Make sure you subscribe so you're notified whenever a new episode is posted. And rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. We really appreciate your support here at the Fearless Leader Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you all next week.